Good morning, IS Teens, and welcome back to our IS Teens online service. It's so good to have you guys joining us here again today. If you are here for the very first time, I want to extend a special warm welcome to you. Welcome to IS. Uh, please fill in the connect card for, uh, we would love to be able to connect with you, and this will also help you guys uh, connect with us further. Guys, I am so excited. We are getting that much closer to in-person service to us, reopening full with all the different ministries for the eighth floor to be done so let's continue to pray that everything goes well uh, leading up to the reopening uh, but don't worry for those of you who might be tuning in uh, who got who aren't in jakarta or tuning in online and, and getting to tcc will be too far don't worry we will keep a bunch of online activities going for you guys so here we are at week four of our royal sermon series and we wanted to cover the book of First and Second Samuel. In the last few weeks, we've been looking at First Samuel. We've been taking a look at a bunch of royals. We've been taking a look at a bunch of kings. The first week, Matthew talked about Samuel, and he reminded all of us that it's never too young. You're never too young for God to use you. And it, I really hope that you've been letting God use you more than you guys have before after hearing Matthew's message. He also talked about the importance of being obedient. <clears throat> Titus also talked about, so, and he also mentioned the importance of being obedient. He talked about how God speaks to us, and I hope that all of you guys have been listening to God more and tuning into his voice, and how important it is to focus on God. Looking at the lessons we've learned the last few weeks, one would think that a king, a royal, could do whatever they want. But it is, isn't it interesting that we've actually been talking about obedience these last few weeks? And just because you're a king does not necessarily mean that life is going to be easy, that you can do whatever you want, and that everything will just be handed to you on a silver platter. If anything, Going through this sermon series, it kind of reminded me that with great power comes great responsibility. And I want us to take a look at that a bit more today. But before we go any further, why don't I open us up with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you that your work is never done, that you're constantly working in us and through us, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that as I speak today, that you will just speak through me and that you will speak through me clearly, Lord Jesus, and that you will just use me here today as I share your word. Lord, I pray that you open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds, ready to receive from you, Lord Jesus. Help us to be able to put aside all kinds of distractions, Lord Jesus, and just tune in to what you want to do right now. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, church. So we talked about Samuel, we talked about Saul, and today I want to talk about David, which just happens to be my middle name. For those of you who do not know, my name is Joshua David Kunsa. Now, the Bible regards David as a model king of Israel. When we read through Samuel, when we read through Kings and Chronicles, it talks about David's many successes. And I really want to encourage you, ISTs, apart from your soap reading, we're currently going through the book of Luke. Spend some time reading these books, especially read through First and Second Samuel. 
So you guys get a better understanding of who David is about his life and how God worked through his life. David is known as a man after God's own heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, this is from the NIV, it says, But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. David is known as a man after God's own heart. Wow. I want to be known as a man after God's own heart. So we've been looking at 1 Samuel. And we can see kind of through 1 Samuel how David and Saul's relationship kind of hit a rocky patch and things end up turning, taking a turn for the worse. Again, I really want to encourage you guys to read through 1 and 2 Samuel. For first of all, Saul actually was compelled to place young David at the head of his army. Okay, So these, this was kind of when things were still good. Things were still good between the two of them. And we read about how David feeds Goliath and all that awesome stuff. David was married to Saul's daughter, Michal, and became close friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. But their relationship turned into intense rivalry where actually it led to Saul trying to plot to kill David. And as we continue to read through 1 Samuel, it ends tragically and Saul dies as he falls upon a sword. And then David, later on going into 2 Samuel, David becomes king. And so today we're looking at 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1 to 15. Or again, we're looking at the story of David today, our third royal of our royal sermon series. David becomes king over Israel. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Well, are your own flesh and blood? In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become their ruler. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. All right, so David becomes king. And things are looking pretty good for him. But even David, a man after God's own heart, wasn't perfect and had his shortcomings. Earlier I mentioned that with great power comes great responsibility. And I want us to take a look at how David's power got to his head and caused him to stumble and how we need to be extremely careful with how we use our power, our privileges, and the positions that God has placed us in. Now you guys might be thinking, Posh, I'm no king. I have no power. Hey, I, I just do what I'm told by my parents, by, 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 by my teachers. I got no power. But church, let me just tell you, all of us have power in our own right. You and I, as simple as having the power to make the right decisions in our lives, which is a daily choice that we make. Today I want us to take a look at the story of David and Bathsheba and how David did not only abuse his power, but how he also made 
a moral failure. 2 Samuel chapter 11, this is verses 2 to 17 from the NIV. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the rooftop of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find, about her, find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah and Hittite. Then David sent the messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, send Uriah and hit it. And Joab sent to David. When Uriah came to David, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the palace with all his master servants and did not go to his house. David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will, do, I will, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to him, stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem in the day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting, where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at the place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah and Hittite died. Now, this, is, this story is a familiar one, or maybe you guys have heard it. Again, guys, read through First and Second Samuel. I can't encourage you guys enough to do so. So from the rooftops, David notices this attractive woman, Bathsheba, washing. She was bathing. So he sends his guards, he sends his men to take her back to the palace. He ends up having sex with her and gets her pregnant. Now, in the attempt to cover up the pregnancy, David orchestrates Bathsheba's husband Uriah's death in battle. And he assumes that through that, the disaster has been averted, that he got rid of the problem. I'm going to get rid of the husband, and it's going to be as if this problem, this thing never happened. But David did not take God into account in this story. You see, when we read through that passage, David's crime was an abuse of power carried out in a form of sexual violation. As sovereign over, over Israel's largest empire, David had arguably more power than any other Israelite in the Old Testament. And in this passage, we see how David had abused his power first to serve his lust and then to persevere his reputation. 
Now, while a few of us may have as much authority and power as David had, many of us have power in smaller spheres, such as our family, such as with our friends, or as I mentioned earlier, even in our day-to-day decision-making. And at times, it can be very tempting to take advantage of the power, the privileges, and the positions we have. As simple as, hey, I'm the older brother, so I get to do what I want to do, and you just need to listen to me. Or maybe you're the leader of your gang, you're the leader of your friend group, and you feel like you can just get away with whatever. Or maybe it's because of of your position, of, of of the privilege that you have grown up with and the current position that you're in and you feel like you can just do as you please, do as you like. Or even as simple as abusing the power that you think that you can get away with something, that nobody's going to find out about what you're doing and that you're abusing that power. Maybe some of you guys here today have been struggling with lust and remaining sexually pure, struggling with pornography. But because you think no one will find out of what you guys do at night when everybody goes home, you do it anyway. Because you feel like you have the power that nobody's going to find out of what you're doing behind closed doors. Because you know that you can get away with it, that you'll do it. We see it now happen in the world so many times of of how people are being molested and people stay silent and people do it because they think they have the power over it. But church, that's wrong. And remember that God sees and God knows everything and that each and every single one of us will be accountable for our actions. That we will all be held accountable for what we do. David plunged himself into a crime after he forgot that God gave him this position. God gave him this position of power and that God cared about what he did with that position. I esteem church, God cares of what we do with our position and power. Jesus, the good shepherd, used his power to feed, to serve, to heal, and to bless people under his authority. And he commands his followers, he commands you and I to do the same. Mark chapter 9, verse 35, sitting down, Jesus called the twelfth and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Church, if you are in a position of power and privilege, serve those around you. A leader should serve. If you are a leader, serve. If you feel like you're in a position of power, serve those around you. You see, David's power allowed him to avoid unpleasant aspects of his responsibility and his wrongdoings. People knew what David was doing, but most people who knew what David was doing were probably servants. And not so surprisingly, none of them spoke out. For we all know that most of the time when people who confront power, they typically pay the cost. When you're going up against a higher power, most of the time you think, you know what, if I do that, I'll get squashed. If I do that, I'm going to lose all my friends. If I do that, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. The story then goes on by Nathan being prompted by God to confront David of his wrongdoings, even though he wasn't necessarily a direct victim of David's wrongdoing, as well as Abigail in the book of Samuel. 
They were in the position of lower power than David, yet recognized the importance of their position and speaking up. And thankfully, David was willing to listen. Let me ask you guys this. Have you guys ever seen someone being mistreated? Or did you know of something that was happening that you clearly, that you clearly knew was just wrong? What did you do about it, church? What did you do about ISN? Did you guys just sit back silently? Or did you do something? Did you speak up? Now, let's not forget that for Abigail and Nathan at that time, speaking up against the king, speaking up against King David, could have meant them losing their lives. Now, most of us probably aren't in situations where confronting someone involves risking our life. But speaking up in this type of context might mean for you, you might lose a friend. But you see, church, God calls us, God calls his people to act and speak up in truth and love when we see injustice happen around us. Now, some of you guys here might, uh, people who know me know that I'm, I'm a confronter, so I tend to confront. When there's something that bothers me, when I see something that it shouldn't be this way, I tend to confront. Now, I also, I'm also fully aware that some people are very much conflict avoidant. But learning to speak truth to people in authority can be developed gradually over time, church. Let's cultivate the ability to confront by starting with small steps, asking questions or pointing out minor problems. We can then move on to more significant issues by offering alternative perspectives that may not always be popular. Over time, we can grow to be more courageous so that if we are aware of a significant moral failure or abuse of power, we can hopefully speak truth in a wise and gracious manner. Church, always speak the truth in love. The truth needs to be heard. The truth will set you free. But, you know, we need to speak the truth in love. And thankfully, when we look at the story of David, David accepts Nathan's severe negative feedback and he repents. David repents. But church, even though Nathan pointed out to David and there was that individual repentance, David did not bring that repentance and forgiveness on himself. And because of David's wrongdoings and abuse of power, he had consequences to his sin. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 13 to 14, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you, will die. So, I'm, I'm going to bring things to a close here. So despite David's personal repentance, he still had to pay the consequences. However, church, this, this story, this episode, does not end in despair. For our God is a God of mercy. And our God is a God of, of restoration. Church, you and I, we've all made mistakes. 
and wrong decisions. And so did David. But in any case, the first step is to admit our wrongdoings and repent. So despite somewhat a negative outlook on David this week in our fourth week of royals, there is something we can learn and emulate from him. Here we see this man of power. When faced with evidence of his own wrongdoing, he repents and calls for justice, even though he knows it may well lead to his ruin. And you see, David does not receive, and, and no, you see, and David receives mercy, but not through his own power, but by submitting to an authority beyond his power to manipulate, by submitting to God, church. And that is what I want to challenge you guys to do today. Maybe you guys have abused power. Maybe you guys know that there are areas in your life that you have been struggling with. Maybe you have been failing on a moral level. And you guys know that that needs to change. Yesterday, last week, Titus talked about focusing on God. And today I want to encourage all of you guys to submit to God. That if there are things in life that you need to get rid of, it's time to repent and submit to God. Church, God loves you. And there's nothing that you could have done that will make you love him less. But some of us need to get rid of some of these sins in our lives. And so I want to encourage you, if that is you, if the, if the Lord is speaking to you today, if you know that there's something that you've been struggling with, something that you know that is wrong, but you know that you can get away with it, so you just keep doing it, to repent, to really turn to God and submit to God. Let's pray, IS teams. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for your word, Lord Jesus, that we can read through the story of David. And although we also see him stumble, we also see him fall, we see your mercy and restoration in his life, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that you also help us, Lord Jesus, when it comes to battling with some of these sins in our lives, Lord Jesus, when we have abused our position or power, Lord Jesus, that we will just turn to you and submit to you, God, Lord Jesus, and that you just work through us, Lord Jesus, and that we will become more and more like you each and every single day, Lord Jesus. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you, ISTNs.